just another day in a mom's life. Right, ladies? Happy Mother's Day, everybody. So glad that all of you are here. This is a very special day, a day set aside to honor and to celebrate our moms. And in just a moment, we're going to do that at all of our campuses. But before we do, I do just want to take a moment and say that I recognize that for some of you, today is a really difficult and painful day. As we focus on moms, maybe for you, it, it kind of feels like somebody is shining a spotlight into something in your life that's missing or maybe broken. Maybe this is your first Mother's Day without your mom. Maybe you're a long way from home, separated from your mom. Maybe you're here today and you always have wanted to be a mom, but God's not answered that prayer yet. Or maybe your relationship with your mom is a little broken, not everything it can be. And so I just want you to know I understand that it's very painful. In fact, I just want to say thank you for making the effort to come. I'm, I'm sure this morning it was very difficult to get up and get dressed and come to church because you knew we were going to be talking to and about moms. And I'm so thankful that you did. In fact, all of this week, I've been praying that somehow, some way, God would break through and just touch you in a very personal way this morning. That maybe through a song we sing or a passage of scripture or something that's said, or maybe just the love and support of the amazing people around you here in the Cedar Creek Church family would just give a touch from God that would just give you a little bit of comfort and hope and joy on this difficult day for you. So thank you for making that effort. And so now I want to take a moment. We're going to recognize, we're going to celebrate moms, but we're going to do it a little differently. Like normally, I would just have all the moms stand and then we would cheer for them. But here's the thing. Moms are on their feet too much, too long already, right? And so here's what we're going to do. Moms, you're going to stay seated and all the rest of us are going to stand in honor of you and let you know how much we appreciate you. So come on, join me and stand. Moms, you stay seated. Let's show them how much we love them. Now remain standing. Nope, don't sit down yet. They stand up like 23 hours a day. You can stand up for two more minutes, guys. Come on. All right, I just want to pray for them. If there's a mom near you, maybe reach out to them. Place a hand on them as just a way to show them how much you love them and support them. And let's pray for them. Father, I thank you for all of the moms that are here. I thank you for the difference they make in all of our lives. Father, I pray today that they would feel not just the love and support of their families and their church family, but that they would feel your joy, your pleasure in them. Father, I pray that they would hear your words of affirmation, that you would validate and express their value right to their heart. So, Father, bless them today. I pray especially for the single moms that are here, Lord, that are carrying not only the, the regular burdens of being a mom, but having to take on so many other responsibilities. Father, touch them, strengthen them. May all the moms feel your love and our gratitude on this, their special day. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, 
Go ahead and grab a seat. Moms, I do want to let you know, on your way out this morning, we have a special gift for you at all of our campuses, so I hope you'll pick one up. Just a small token to let you know how much we love and appreciate each and every one of you. So, if you'll take out your message notes, you'll see we are in week two of Pit Stop. This series of messages in which we are engaging in an open and honest conversation with ourselves and with each other about the stress and overload in our lives. And what we are discovering in this conversation is that the the stress and overload in our lives is less about what happens to us and more about what's going on within us. That while certainly our external circumstances are a part of our stress, they don't really deal with the heart of our stress because the heart of our stress The heart of our busyness, our overload, the heart of the reason behind we push ourselves to the very limits of our physical abilities, our mental, our emotional abilities, basically comes down to an issue of faith. Of what we are choosing to trust in and depend on to get through the difficult seasons and moments in life. That's why last week we looked at those familiar words of Jesus where he invites us, those of us that are weary and heavy burdened, to come to him and he promises to give rest to our souls. But as we peeled back the layer of those wonderful words, what we discovered is that Jesus was not inviting us into a stressless life. He was inviting us to trust in him and find peace in the stressful things of life. Now today we're going to look at another huge issue when it comes to stress and overload, and that is our choices. The choices we make have a huge impact on the level of our stress. I'm going to make a statement And I want you to interact with it. I want you to see how this statement hits you. How does it feel to you when I say this? Here's the statement. You ready? You are as stressed and overloaded as you choose to be. Let me say that again. You are as stressed out and as overloaded as you choose to be. Now, I can't tell from your faces up here, but I'm willing to bet that some of you are pushing back against that statement. Some of you are probably arguing with me a little bit in your mind. And here's why. Because you're saying, Phil, I didn't choose this issue with my health. I didn't choose to have a boss who puts unrealistic expectations on me. I didn't choose for my husband or wife to leave. I didn't choose to go through this difficulty. I didn't choose to have all of these needs and demands placed on me by my family. I did not choose those things. And you are exactly right. We don't choose most of the things that bring stress into our life. But hear what I'm saying. We do choose how we respond in those stressful situations and that's what I want to look at today the choices that we make in the stressful overload moments of life and to help us do this 
we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus has with two women named Mary and Martha. You'll find this interaction in Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn or click there. If you don't, it's okay. We've got all five of these verses printed on your outline. It's a very brief encounter, but it's a powerful encounter. When I read it, I'm like, man, Jesus is saying a lot, but he's not saying very many words. It almost feels like to me that after Jesus has this little conversation, that he ought to break out a parable or something. Because there's some deep truths here. But what I am discovering and have discovered this week is the truths are in the things that Jesus say and they apply to our stressed out, overloaded, modern lives. Now, let me give you a little background. Outside the capital city of Jerusalem is a tiny little rural village called Bethany. It's about two miles outside of the walls of Jerusalem. And whenever Jesus would be going to or from Jerusalem. He always seemed to be passing through this village of Bethany. And there's a family in this village that Jesus gets very close to. The family is made up of three adult siblings. Mary, her sister Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And yes, this is the same Lazarus that Jesus will eventually raise from the dead. I don't know what it is about this family, but it's obvious that Jesus likes hanging out with them, and they like hanging out with him. You'll see this over and over throughout the gospel, Jesus spending time in Bethany with this family. Now, in Luke chapter 10, we discover what I believe is probably the beginning of this friendship. This is probably, I can't say it with any certainty, but I'm pretty sure this is the first encounter. This is the beginning of of their relationship with Jesus and his relationship with them. So let's jump in, beginning with verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, in other words, on their way to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Pause right there for just a second. So you need to understand in the first century culture, Eastern culture, that hospitality had a high value placed on it. That you would always open your home to anybody and everybody. And when they came, you would invite them in. You would treat them like royalty. See, we, we don't do that. Somebody shows up unexpectedly on your front porch, you don't invite them in, right? You hide and hope they'll go away when they think you're not here. Or maybe you will crack the door and you talk to them through the cracked door. Or you might step out onto the porch and close the door behind you because you don't want them to know your house is filthy and you hadn't done laundry in three weeks, right? That, that's how we interact. But in this culture, it was expected that you would bring them into your home. And bringing them into your home meant two things. One, it meant you had to wash their feet. See, in that culture, as a sign of love and respect and to meet a practical need because people walked around without closed-toed shoes, they were wearing Birkenstocks, sharing the dirt roads with animals, their feet were filthy. You have a doormat, people just brush off their feet. But in this culture, it meant you literally had to take off their sandals and wash their feet. If you were rich, 
you hired a servant to do this. But if you were middle class or poor, this job fell to you. So it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus and his disciples. So inviting them in meant that you had to wash 26 filthy feet. And then once you did that, you were obligated to provide for them some food, some drink, to literally open your home and welcome them into it as if it was yours. And see, at some point for Martha, all of these tasks, all of these responsibilities, these obligations of these unexpected guests, somehow it just got to be too much. I'm sure she started off excited, but at some point in the kitchen, she just said, enough is enough. I don't know what the straw was that broke the camel's back. I don't know, maybe she was getting a pot off the top shelf, and something fell into the lentil soup and splashed it all over the kitchen. Or maybe she burned the pita bread because the timer on the oven didn't go. I don't know what it was, but at some point, she lost it. And here's how I know that, because look at what she says. It says, she, talking about Martha, she came to him, she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Poor, pitiful Martha. Imagine that, though. She's asking Jesus, don't you care? Jesus. Do you care, Jesus? God in the flesh who entered this world to save us from our sins. Don't you care? Now, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, do I care? Oh, let me see. I'm going to raise your brother from the dead. I'm going to suffer, die, be beaten down. I'm going to die for you, Martha. Do I care? Here's a shekel. Call somebody who cares. But fortunately, I'm not Jesus. His response is a little kinder. Look at what Jesus says. Martha Martha, and no, that's not a Brady Bunch reference. Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. Those of you who laughed just gave away your age. Martha, Martha, whenever someone repeated a name like that, it was an expression of compassion and tenderness. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and this is what I want you to see. Mary has what? What's that word? She has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. As we unpack this brief encounter, we see three choices that we can make when we're under stress. Choices that will either lead us towards burnout or balance. So let's get going. Number one, the first choice we make when we're under stress is we choose our response to the unexpected. We get to choose how we respond to the unexpected things in life. Life is full of unexpected things, right? Most of the stuff that stresses us out, we never saw it coming. Now, for Martha, it's just some unexpected guest in the house. But I'm willing to bet for you, it's something a little more difficult. Maybe it's that unexpected phone call in the middle of the night. Maybe it's that unexpected lab report from the doctor. You weren't even feeling bad, and now all of a sudden they're talking about cancer and chemo and treatment plans. Or maybe what you didn't see coming is that day your husband or your wife just seemed to wake up and out of the blue decide that they don't love you anymore. And they're leaving. And they're moving on with their life. We all face 
unexpected circumstances. The question is, how do we respond? Mary and Martha had dramatically different responses to this unexpected situation. Look at verses 39 and 40. It says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations. You see the difference there? For Martha, this unexpected thing was a problem to be managed, to be worked through. For Mary, it was just an opportunity to get closer to Jesus. And that's true about the unexpected events in our life. We have that same choice. You know, I was kind of wondering this week, why did these two sisters, right, who had the same biological parents, raised in the exact same home, why did they respond so differently to the same situation? Well, I think there are several factors. Let me share three with you, because these are the same three factors that will determine how you will initially respond to unexpected things. One, personality. Your personality will affect how you respond to unexpected things. Martha is obviously a type A person, right? She has a type A personality. She's a doer. She's a, if worth doing, it's worth doing, you know, in perfection. She is quite possibly the original Martha Stewart, right? You know, she's just not just fixing a meal. She's doing a seven-course meal. She's not just throwing out some paper plates. She's probably back in the kitchen knitting together lavender placemats with yak hair or something. She's just a type A. She's doing it. That's her personality. Mary, very different. She's not so much a doer. She's a beer. Mary loves to be in the moment. And the reason I know that is not just from this one little circumstance, but every time this Mary is mentioned in the gospel, she is always in the same place, at the feet of Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 10, a little later in John's gospel chapter 11, when her brother Lazarus has died, she falls at Jesus' feet in her grief. And then later, as Jesus is making his final trip to Jerusalem for that Passion Week, this is the same Mary who falls at his feet and anoints him with the old spice, with the perfume. She's always at Jesus' feet because that's her personality. That's her Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying if you have a Martha personality, you need to be more like Mary. That is not what I'm saying. Do you know what the best personality type is? The one that you have. That is the one that God gave you. And he gave you that unique personality because it fits with what he's created you to do. Your personality fits with God's calling and purpose for your life. I'm not saying try to change your personality. I'm just saying recognize your personality because it's going to impact your initial reaction to unexpected things. The second factor, your responsibility. Your level of responsibility will determine how you respond to unexpected things. What you have to understand in this culture, because Martha was the oldest female in the house, the responsibilities and duties of the house fell to her. 
This was her job. This was in her job description. She was over the house. She was responsible for hospitality and the reputation of the house for responsibility. See, understand, Mary's not just hanging out with the boys in the den because she's lazy. It's because that's not her job. It squarely falls on Martha's shoulders. And that responsibility level causes Martha to react the way she did. You've seen that in your life, right? Something goes bad in somebody else's department. You're not losing sleep over that, right? But if it's in your house, it's your team, your department. Now, all of a sudden, depending on the level of your responsibility, it becomes a big deal. Now, these first two factors, they're out of our control. You don't choose your personality, and most of the time, you don't choose the level of your responsibility. But this third factor, this is where the choice comes, and it's simply this, trust. You get to choose who or what you are trusting in. That's what we talked about last week, that the level of your stress can be seen in the level of your trust of who's truly in control. You want to know what you're really trusting in? It's not what we say in here on a happy Sunday morning. You can see what you're really trusting in by the way you choose to manage or handle or deal with unexpected circumstances. Every unexpected event, how, no matter how big or how small, is an opportunity for me to either choose to trust Jesus more or to try to manage it in my own strength and ability. See, Martha chose worry. Mary chose worship. And Jesus said that Mary has made the better choice. Number two, the second choice we get to make when we're under stress is what our true values are. We get to choose what is really valuable, what matters, what's important. Stressful situations don't just reveal what you're trusting in. Stressful situations will reveal what is truly important to you. Every day we make value choices, right? Every day we make decisions about what's really important in our lives. We make those decisions by what we will or won't put on our schedule, what we say yes to, what we say no to, what we give our life, our energy, our finances, our resources to. Those are value decisions that we all make. And here's the thing. I know this is true in my life. Maybe for you, I don't know, you guys are way more spiritual than I am, but here's what I know to be true about me. That what I want to be my values doesn't always show up in the decisions and choices I make. There's a disconnect sometimes between what I say is important and what my behaviors say is important. See, I'm willing to bet if we could go to lunch, just you and me, just one-on-one, -on -one, we could sit down at lunch together. Of course, it'd be your treat. But if we did that, and we just talked about our values, what matters to us, I think most of us, maybe not all, but most of us would have the same basic values. We would say our number one priority is God, our relationship with God through Jesus. Two, our family, the people closest to us, those relationships. And then three, you know, our job or school, our responsibilities. And we would all be sincere in wanting that. But if we were to be honest and look at the daily details of our lives, we would say that the things that we say are important don't show up as important in our choices. And that's what I want you to understand. That's what happened to Martha. You got to understand, Martha's not a bad person. 
She's not some cold-hearted woman who's just trying to make a good impression on Jesus or the community of Bethany. She wants to be close to Jesus. She would tell you she was excited when they showed up at her house. She wanted to be with Jesus. Look at the second part of verse 38. It says, Martha opened her home to him. This was her idea. Some translations say she welcomed him. She welcomed the disciples. She was glad they were there. So what happened? How did excitement for having Jesus in her home turn into frustration and fear? I'll tell you why. Look at verse 40. It says, but Martha was what? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. See, she lost sight of what was truly valuable. All of a sudden, the meal became more important than the person she was fixing the meal for. See, that's what happens. When you're under stress, our priorities start to look like distractions, and our distractions start to seem like priorities. Let me tell you something. Number one symptom of stress and overload in our lives, everything seems important. It's hard to tell what really matters and what doesn't. And moms, can I just say to you, I cannot believe how difficult your struggle has to be with this. I've never been a mom, but I've been married to a mom for 32 years, and she's been a mom for almost three decades. And I know from talking to many of you moms that almost all of you, in some way, in some sense, feel like a failure. Like you're, you're not doing good enough by your kids, you're not meeting the needs of your husband, you're not running a good household, you're not helping meet the family's financial bills, you feel like a failure. And let me just say, that is not true. I know the culture tells you that you should be a wonder woman, that you should be able to do it all, that anytime your kids go out, they're dressed in matching outfits and their hair is perfect and they're beautiful and everything's right and that you should somehow be able to do that, keep the house clean, keep your husband's needs met and somehow go to work, make money, get your kids signed up in everything and be be the PTO queen and the class mom and the team mom. Maybe you got a friend, another mom, and you look at them and they seem to have it all together and you look at your life and you're like, I'm scrambling just to hold it together. Let me tell you, don't ever compare the reality of your life to the illusion and facade of somebody else's life. You are doing a great job. But here's my encouragement to you. Please, 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 from 29 years of parenting and a million failures and mistakes and things I wish I could change, don't ever let the task of parenting become more important than the heart of parenting. And the heart of parenting is not the things you do. The heart of parenting is connecting relationally to your children, spending time with them in a dirty house with undone laundry in order to get to know them, to learn their heart, to learn who God has created them to be. Because moms, I can promise you this, one day you will clean your house and it will stay clean for a whole week without you having to do a thing. One day you'll be able to soak in that hot tub as long as you want to and nobody's going to knock on the bathroom door. Nobody's going to scream your name and ask you to break up a fight or get them a glass of milk. One day you'll be able to sit in your clean den 
and watch the shows you want to watch on your television. One day that day is going to come. And can I just tell you from the heart of a dad, it's coming sooner than you think. Don't lose sight of what truly matters. Mary chose relationships. Martha chose tasks. And Jesus says, Mary has made the better choice. And then finally, number three, the third choice that we get to make in stressful circumstances is we get to choose how much is enough. We choose how much is enough. Can I just ask you a question? This is a personal question, but I want to ask it anyway because I love you. What will it take for you to finally feel validated? How much do you have to do? How much do you have to accomplish? How much do you need to have before you will finally feel valued and can finally rest in your life? I'll tell you what the world keeps telling you. All you need is a little bit more. That rest, that fulfillment, that value is just over the next mountain. It's just one more rung up the ladder. But let me tell you what's waiting for you over that mountain and one step up that ladder. It's not rest and peace. It's more stress, more burden, more issues. See, Martha's problem was not that she wanted to do a nice meal for Jesus. That's right. That's appropriate. The problem was she felt like it had to be perfect. Like she had to do everything for him. In fact, look at verses 41 and 42. Jesus says to Martha, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. What does that mean? What is Jesus saying to Martha? And, and what is he saying to us? I did some reading this week. Scholars don't really all agree on what Jesus meant. There are really two camps that biblical scholars fall in with this phrase of Jesus. Some say Jesus is talking specifically about the meal. Like Jesus is saying, look, we don't need a five-course meal. Chips and salsa will do. But some scholars say, no, Jesus is talking about a bigger picture. He's talking about being scattered with too many priorities and missing the one thing that matters. I don't know what Jesus meant. I wasn't there. But the point is still the same, right? What Jesus is saying to her and to us is that more is not always better. In fact, many times more is worse. And that's a struggle because we live in the land of more is better. But we choose how much is enough. I was thinking about Martha this week. And I thought, you know, Martha, if she'd have had a week to prepare for this visit, she'd have had everything just right, right? The house would have been clean. She'd have pre-cooked some of the food. She would have loved every moment of it. It's part of her gift, hospitality. She loved it. But she didn't have a week's notice, and yet she didn't change her plan. She still felt like she had to do everything as if she had plenty of time to prepare. See, I think one of the best things you can do for your physical health, your emotional health, and your spiritual health is learn how to let good enough be good enough. There are some areas and things in your life where it's okay to let good enough be good enough. Now, please hear me. I am not saying be lazy. 
I'm not saying that you shouldn't do with excellence the important things that matter in your life. Yes, you should. That's how we glorify and honor God, by pursuing excellence in the important things of life. But not everything is of utmost importance, and in those things, you got to let good enough be more than enough. I mean, after all, isn't that the heart of our faith as Christians? Right? That our whole faith is based on the fact that we could never be good enough. We can never be work hard enough, be religious enough. That God did for us on Calvary's cross what we could never do for ourselves. We just have to receive it. Rest in that grace of God. Martha chose to pursue her own performance. Mary chose to rest in God's grace. And Jesus said, Jesus said, Mary has made the better choice. Our lives are full of choices. You've made dozens, if not hundreds, already since you got up this morning. You will make hundreds of them before you lay down tonight. Some may seem small, but they're bigger than you think. Some may seem big, but they're way smaller than you think. Those choices will ultimately determine the quality of your life. And nowhere is that more true than when you're in a stressful situation. We don't choose the stressful circumstances, but we do make choices in those circumstances. And those choices will either lead us to rest and peace or burnout and emptiness. And like Mary, God's promise for her is the same for us. When we make that choice, it will not be taken from us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for just clarity this morning from your word. I just thank you that you are challenging my heart with these truths. But God, I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. Because most days, most everything in my life seems like it's the most important thing. God, would you help me to choose wisely? God, would you give me and these people that I love so much, would you give all of us the courage, the strength, and the wisdom and discernment to be able to know what really matters, to be able to let go to let good enough be good enough in the things that aren't that important. But, oh, God, don't let us ever settle for less in the things that truly matter. Help us learn to love you more. Help us learn to trust and depend on you more. Help us learn to love our families well, not with tasks and accomplishments, but with simply resting in their presence enjoying the gift of one another. Help us to forgive and let go of the things that don't matter. Help us, Father, come and like Mary, fall at your feet and rest in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.